Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you for being part of today. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm uh, one of the pastors. Um, my hope is always, and, and this is every weekend, is that um, God becomes real to you um, in a big way, and that happens through the worship. Wasn't that worship great this morning? I just be well, yeah, incredible. So um, I get to hear it three times. So there. But you can too. So you can you can always come back. Hey, hey, our, our goal here is to reach as many people uh, with the message of Jesus as possible on the, on the coast side. And so we're always trying to, I want to say the word scheme, but it's not scheme new ways. But we're tra- always trying to vision new ways and, and, and think of new ways that we can reach more and more and more people. And what we've, we've discovered is, is that God will not bring people if we can't nurture them or disciple them or help them find Christ and in a simple way, God won't bring people who can't see them. Now, now what we found is God you know, gave us an incredible building, and, and, and we're very thankful for it. But um, it's kind of we're outgrowing it, and particularly the second service. And so what we've done is upstairs, we've kind of recreated a space up there. Um, we're calling it the loft, and, and men, Len mentioned it there. It's going to be able to seat more and more people. And, 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 and as Len mentioned, we're going to be doing kind of a little bit more creative video stuff up there. It's a whole different experience there. And, and y'all know what one of these things is? You know, it's a, it's a, I don't think it's going to work. Um, there it is. It does. Okay. There you guys go. So see, see y'all, you want to say hi to the camera? So I say hi. Yeah. You want to say hi to the people in the loft? They're not there. So there's nobody there. <laughs> there's nobody there right now. So you can see, um, you can, you can look at it that way. So, um, it's, it's scary, huh? Okay. Let's cut this thing off, please. Um, cause I'm embarrassed now. Um, but what, what we need is it's opened up, as Len has mentioned, a whole new um, um, opportunity for ministry there as we're going to be kind of, in a sense, running out, not an alternative service, but a little bit different service up there. And we want the people upstairs to experience what's going on down here. It doesn't happen particularly well with a static camera. And so what we're trying to do is we're going to get several different cameras and camera angle. This Again, I mentioned this is the start of my televangelism ministry right here, right here now. But, but um, so we need then direction, you know, some people to be able to switch the cameras around. And, and I don't know anything about that. I just know that it's more lively and it'll help the people upstairs experience worship better if they can see different camera angles and look at people. And so that opens up new ministry for just video ministry. And so if you have any experience in that or if you'd be willing to help pioneer that or help figure that, us that out or even help run it, which we really would need, um, we'd love to talk to you about it. And maybe you can teach us some things because... We don't know everything there is about it, but we're, we're, we want to learn. And so a new opportunity for that. And so if you're, if you're into audiovisual and visual stuff, please let us know. We'd like to continue on with that. So thank you so much. Hey, this morning we are going to talk about joy. Joy is something that we're going to spend time talking about. This is my favorite picture of joy for this particular season. If you've ever tried to get your kids to pose for one half a second for pictures, you know, that never, it never happens. It's, it's part of our series as we gear up for Christmas, and we're, we're calling it um, this whole series, Reasons for the Season. Um, and it's crazy. You know, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, once, once it, it kind of gets into that whole mode, it gets crazy busy, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, just wildly almost out of, out of hand, and 
we're all now in overdrive, you know, doing the shopping and the inviting and the scheduling, the decorating, looking at your calendar, making sure, you know, how many Christmas parties or things or events do you have, traveling. And, and, and what, what I, I like to do or what I want us to do is to kind of step back for a second and say, God, why did something as simple as just giving thanks, just simply giving thanks, you know, over what God's provided and the birth of Jesus come in, become this, this jumbled mess of credit cards and buying and snowmen and trees and, 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 and entertaining and eating and cooking and wrapping. I mean, it's just gone out of whack completely beyond the realm of, I think, sometimes what, what beyond God intended. Why? And, and, and while I can't change any of this, none of us really can, we can certainly say, hey, let's take advantage of this season. If it's a season of giving, then let's give. I mean, let's give outrageously and, and creatively. God has given us a ready-made excuse to give absolutely to all kinds of people beyond anything that we ever could have imagined because he's always the God of the supply. And so I would say, open your heart up to give. It's also a season we've seen of getting. Not only do we get, but take advantage of this time and get everything that God has for you. you know, every love that he has for you, every blessing, every joy, you can, you can get that. Last week we talked about it being a season of hope, and hope is more than just a wish. It's basing your life on God and his promises. And so I'd say, man, let's make this a season of, of hope. And, and this morning we're going to talk about a season of joy, and let's, uh, let's make this a, a real season of joy, but let's pray, can we? So, Lord, we thank you for this time now, these moments, and thank you for this place where we can experience praising you and the touch of your heart and your love, and give us now um, um, these moments to learn about joy, but also then experience it in your name, amen. Do you guys watch those Christmas shows? Remember, maybe you watched them as kids. You know, the Christmas shows are now coming on, you know, back to back to back to back to back to back, all those kinds of things. And, and, and I did as a kid. We used to always, oh, man, it's Christmas time. Let's watch you know, these shows. And, 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 and there was always a good person in there, and there was always a villain, you know, boo, the villain, who's always trying to take away what? The joy of Christmas, right? You know, there's always somebody there that's trying to take away the, the, the stuff of Christmas. Someone trying to just kind of suck the joy out, out of this. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quiz. We're going to see how well you did actually in watching those TV shows growing up, okay? And, and what we're going to do is we're going to show a picture of a person. There we go. And you're going to have to guess what, what show they were on. So this is one's easy. Who's that? And what show was it? Go ahead. Yeah, the Grinch who stole Christmas. Very good. Okay. How about this one? This is the iconic one. Who's that? Yeah, I gave you that one. And that show is what? Anyone know? Go ahead. Christmas Carol. There we go. Okay. How about this? A little bit harder here. Anyone know who that is? Scott Farkas. Right. And he's from a Christmas. What a name. Isn't that great? Okay. Here's a nostalgic one. Let's go back in time. Anybody know who that one is? Mr. What? Mr. Potter, right, and he is from A Wonderful Life. Okay, this one, here's one. Take care of back to childhood. Yes, it is the who? It is the abominable snowman monster from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And then finally, here it is. There's this guy right here. Anyone know who that is? Anybody know? Yeah, that is Hans Gruber. Right, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. 
greatest Christmas film ever made. And all these guys, when you look at them, you look, look at all these guys, what are they trying to do? They're trying to actually drain all the Christmas joy uh, out of, of, of your life. And some are trying to do it with automatic weapons. But anyway, they're trying to take all the joy we have out of Christmas. What is joy? You know, when you think about what, what joy is. I mean, it's all over the Christmas cards we send, you know, joy, 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 you know, and, and it's even in the songs we sing, you know, joy to the world, you know, how great our joy, it, it, it's all there. Um, joy is kind of like happy, isn't it? I mean, we think about what joy is. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit like, like happy, you know, don't worry, be happy. It's, 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 it's there. But I don't know, you know, when you hear the word joy, you don't always just think of happy. You think happy, but, but deeper, don't you? You know, there's, 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 there's happy, but joy just seems to be a little bit deeper, a little bit farther down on the, on the inside. Our word happy comes from the word happening. And, and it talks about basically things that are happening. And if things that are happening are good, you will be happy. Okay? That's the way it goes. The other day, a woman introduced me to her nine-year-old son. And I said hello. And he said to me, he said to me, nine-year-old kid, he said to me, hey, dude, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I said, what's happening is I just got called dude by a nine-year-old kid, you know, which was a new experience for me. Happy comes from things happening around you. If it's good, you're, you're happy. For instance, it's Christmas tree season. If you get a good tree and not too many needles fall on your carpet and you can get it up in the stand with a minimum of bad words. And the tangle of Christmas lights for the tree is not too bad. You are what? You're happy, right. If you, as you bring the tree in, you find there's just a whole runway of, of needles and, and you end up just simply throwing your tree in the corner and hoping it stands up there the rest of the time and then the knots of Christmas lights are beyond belief, you are what? Not happy, right. You are, are not, not ha- happy. If you get an email that the important gift that you want is estimated to arrive on December the 26th, you are what? <laughs> You are unhappy. You're getting those now, you know, the gift that you ordered. Happy is here, you know, one second, and then what? Poof. You know, it, it could be gone. We, 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 we experienced that. You know, you can be happy one moment, and then something happens, and you are no longer happy. Joy's not like that. It's different. Um, it's deeper, isn't it? It goes beyond what's happening on the outside, to what I'm experiencing where? On the inside. On the inside. And, and if joy is deeper, then the cause of my joy and your joy should be deeper as well. And, and I think as you read through the Bible and as we understand this whole Christmas deal, you know, in Scripture, in fact, this whole God thing that he's been working in the world, the experience we would have is not just simply happy, because that comes and goes. It's joy. Joy comes from knowing that God is in control of the world and seeing God is in control of my world. And if I know that God is in control of this world, and I can see and experience his being in charge of my world, it doesn't matter what circumstances are going on. I can have on the inside, I can have joy. Let's look at that and kind of break it down. Joy comes from knowing that God is in control of the whole world. Charlie Brown Christmas was on the other night. Um, that's one of my favorites. And, and there is this scene, as I remember back when the kids were all, you know, dancing around and Schroeder's playing the piano, you know, and, 
and, and Charlie Brown is not happy, you know, because things are not happening the way he thinks they should be. And, and, he, and he yells out, you know, isn't there anyone who understands what Christmas is all about? You know the scene. And, and, and Linus says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then he, he recites the Christmas story. And it's in the Bible book of Luke, chapter 2. And I'm going to read it. It says this, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great, and there's the word, great joy, which will be for all the people. So what we have here is God is doing something for all people, and it's good news, and it's for, for everybody. Well, what is it? He says this, for today in the city of David, and that would be Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, now, now see where it says city of David, you know, of course, that's Bethlehem. Um, and what's awesome about this, and I know it's a minor fact, and it's a little detail, but it helps us understand how God's really in charge of this whole world and how God's in charge of everything here. Some 600 years before this happened, um, in the Bible book of Micah, there was this being said, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. God, you're just a small village in all the people of Judah. And I'm trying to think of how Bethlehem probably was back then, and think Pescadero, Okay. Think Pescadero. Now, now I love Pescadero. It's just small. There's just not a lot there except really good bread. Um, <laughs> says this, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you. And then all of a sudden there's something that's almost confusing. One whose origins are from the distant past. It's like, What? A ruler's going to come, but, but their origins are from way, way, way back. And you want to say, you know, what in the world is going to come out of, of Pescadero? Well, one whose origins are from the distant past. And that sounds like something big. And here's where we begin to see as you, you put the pieces together, God's massive in charge of this whole thing. In putting together the pieces for order for, for as Jesus was being born, just going back in Genesis 1, it was a perfect world. It was perfect. You know, you read it and you think, wow, God was walking with people. People, you know, love God and all that. And all of a sudden, Genesis 3, there was the sin and the separation that was there. We're separated from God because of our sin. We all, we all are, everyone, me, you, you know, every, every, everybody is. And so God makes a, pro a promise. He, he, he says, okay, not only is the world going to kind of, you're going to go through rough times here because that's what happens when sin is in the world, but there's going to be hope in all of this and there's going to be a way out of it. And he tells the woman that there's going to be a savior that's going to come from you, from your offspring. Now Eve got it. She got it right away because her first son she named him, basically, I've got it. I've got it. This is the one. This is the one who's going to make everything right again. No, no thorns, no anything like that, no weeds, you know, no gophers. It's all going to come together now. I've got it. But God said, no, it's not this one. It's going to happen later on. 
And then God began to, through the Old Testament and in the Old Testament, throw these signs, these signposts of, of what this one that's coming to make the world right again is going to be like. In Isaiah, he says this, a virgin will give birth. A virgin will give birth. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who names their child that? Also says that this, this one is going to come from, from Galilee to the north. Well, wait a second. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't Micah say it's going to come from Bethlehem? How can it come from Galilee in the north? How does that all, all work out? How does this Bethlehem thing happen? And the problem is, is that Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth. Wait a second. That accomplishes the whole deal as far as the Savior coming from Nazareth. See, we really need somebody to work this thing out. (laughs) But the baby is going to be born in Bethlehem. Does that rattle God? No. God is in control of this from start to finish. See, there was a census. And Rome, who kind of thought that they controlled the whole world, but God really does, they called the census and they said, okay, you people of of Galilee and, and, and Judah and Judea, you have to go back to your town of origin and Mary happened to be like eight and a half months pregnant at that time. And so Mary and Joseph had to go from their town in the north back down into Bethlehem in order to have the child. Every single prophecy was fulfilled by God. It's like, God, <laughs> you're in control of this thing, aren't you? It says this, when the fullness of time came, Galatians 4.4, God sent his son into the world. And this is so cool, the fullness of time, because not only was God in charge of the prophecies behind it, God was so in charge of the world events, because if there's ever a time when the message of someone who's going to come to save the world was to come about, it was that spot right then. There never was a better time ever than that. The Roman world had taken over pretty much everything, and they had built roads so that if the message of a Messiah or a Savior were coming, then it would have perfect travel anywhere you wanted to go. The Greeks had given the world a common language, and therefore if you were to write something down in Greek, everybody pretty much in the known civilized world would be able to read it and understand it. The people were looking and frustrated now with the Roman gods and the Greek gods, so they were looking for something else, and they were kind of saying, you know, there must be something coming from Israel because they seem to have a pretty good view of who God is. The timing was absolutely perfect. It's like God said, now is the time. And all those events just converged on a little night in Bethlehem when a baby was born. I I don't know what that does for you. If you're a historian, maybe you just love that kind of stuff. If you're a Bible scholar, I know you love that stuff. Um, If you're just hearing it for the first time, there should be the sense of, holy cow, God's in charge of this whole thing. And if God can do stuff on the macro level, the really big level of things, you know, history, um, I can have not just simply happiness, I can have joy to know that God is in charge of this. Because if he can deal with things that big, he can also deal with things this small in my life. 
So joy is also seeing God as control of my world. Your life is your world, okay? Your life is your world, and, and while we live in the same earth, same world, kind of, your world is different than mine. We may even live on the same street, but yet your group of friends and family and relatives and job and coworkers and all those kinds of things are a little bit different than, than mine. Yours is different than mine. Mine is different than yours. And, and I can have a deep sense of joy, a deep-seated joy, knowing that God's in control of my world. Now, does that mean bad things never happen? Of course it doesn't mean bad things never happen. We live in a broken world, and really bad people have done really bad things, and some of you have scars from that. I mean, the, the classic example in the Bible is, is Joseph, um, you know, the guy with the Technicolor dream coat, you know, you've heard that, you know, he's that guy, and he has a bunch of brothers, and they hate him, and, and Joseph becomes his father's favorite, and that makes him hate him even more, and they want to kill him, but figure there's no profit in killing him, and so they sell him to slavery. And, and I mean, you know, you kind of know the whole story, so you know it turns out good, but you've got to understand, he didn't know anything. He just knows that his brothers that he loved and supported and looked up to are selling him into slavery for profit. And, and you talk about a life detour. This was not his choice. This was not his plan. And a whole bunch of years, he's a slave. His life is gone, taken away from his mom, his dad, everything gone from him. And then the situation turns around, and you've got to read it. And every time I read it, I get all you know, teary-eyed because it's really a, a cool time of reconciliation. But he's really frank about the situation. He says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now, when you know that no matter what bad circumstances have happened in your life, if you save the lives of many people, there's a deep-seated sense of what in that? Of joy. You see that? You see how it, it comes about? His life was just trashed, ruined, but a great sense of joy. And that's why there's a, there's a great verse. I didn't throw it up on the screen. Um, some of you know it. It's weeping may last for a night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. Why is that? Because in the nighttime, you know, you're weeping because things aren't happening the way you want. But in the morning, you kind of wake up and you think, God's gave me the sunshine and the day and the new day. God's in charge of the world and God's in charge of my life. Um, just think, if we have this kind of God what kind of joy we can have in this. So Nehemiah says, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See that? See that? That's, like, that's my strength. Circumstances will come and go and some of them cut and cut deep. But God can be my strength and the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I met with somebody um, um, a little while ago and um, she was burdened by her story and, and, and she just needed to share it and kind of figure out how to go with it and where to go with it, you know, from, from here. And, and um, her story is one of pretty tough brokenness and abuse. And it's, it's one of those nightmare stories that you just don't wish any kid would ever have to experience or go through. Um, brokenness, abuse by her stepfather, and all the guilt and all the crud and all the shame that go with it. You, you understand? I mean, this, we're talking... Not nice stuff. And she's working through it. She's working through it really well. She's found Christ, and, and she's discovered how much God is loving her so much now. And, and as a Christ follower, she's learning all what that means and what it does in her life. And, and it's funny because as I'm, 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 we're talking, um, you could just see the more she talks, the more joy. It's just kind of bubbling up in, in her life. 
And she's talking about, yeah, the past, but also about the God who loves her and the God that she's discovering and how, as she's beginning to learn, because the, the word father was a horrible word to her, understand that. But all of a sudden now she's learning that she has a father in heaven who loves her and she's understanding and experiencing the love of a father. She talks about the times with God where she just feels the closeness of his heart and his love. And now she's seeing God's hand in all this. And the word I had for her at the end of the meeting was, this is joy. <laughs> she has joy. I love this verse. It says this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there's no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop fall, fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, Cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. You just want to say, are you nuts? But again, there's a difference between happiness and joy. For it says this, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Sovereign means God's in charge of it all. God, if you're in charge of it all, and you're in charge of this big whole deal called world and universe, and you're in charge of this little deal called me, my life, my, my world, and I can have confidence in that, I can have joy. That's why the Bible says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. And so Christmas, what a great, great, great time for joy because it just kind of, you know, God inserts himself into, into this world and he inserts himself into you, you know, your world in a special way. Um, God is in control of all this and God is in control of this whole world thing. <laughs> Back to Christmas. Angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And, and if you'd like to take notes, just, do you mind circling the word Savior? I once heard on the radio, I was, I was driving, and an unbeliever was debating a, a follower of Christ. You know, they're debating back and forth. And, and this guy said, commentator said, people don't need saving, thus there's no need for a savior. You know, if, if you don't need saving, why do you need a savior? And he said, you know, people are good all the way through. They don't need a savior. And then as I was driving, some guy cut me off. And the things that went through my mind, I thought, yeah, I need a savior on <laughs> this one. And I thought that would be where I part company with nice non-Christ followers. I think we do need saving. I know I do. I know I do. I know me pretty well, and I'm not the person I should be or could be. And so I understand this verse, not understand it here. I, I, I get it when it says everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we're righteous. How does he do that? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin, and there it is, and it all comes together. And Christmas is God bringing Jesus into the world, and that's why the sky exploded, and the angels did the joy dance, you know, and around the shepherds. And then it goes on and says, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. I can't be more clear than that. And we have elements of, of the Lord's Supper that are here in the front and at the back um, for you. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up right now. And we will call this communion 
um, or we call it the Lord's Supper. Um, and we, we take it here to do what Jesus has asked. He asks us to remember him, just to remember. And, and the bread is God came into the world. That's, that's Christmas time, you know, Christmas. God entered into time and space and was born in Bethlehem. That's Christmas. That's the bread. And the cup is Jesus, God, shed his blood for us. Look at this verse again. People are made right with God, and that's what we would want when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You don't have to be good to get to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Forgiven people do. Have said, I'm not good enough. I can't be good enough. I need to be forgiven by you, God. And the penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death. And death is the very thing I don't want. I don't want to be separated from God. So Jesus says, I'll take that. I will take that upon myself. And it's my faith and trust commitment in that. And maybe today you'd like to start believing. Biblical belief is not lip service. It's saying, this is me. This is who I am. This is who I've become now. A follower of Jesus based on his blood and death on the cross. And what, what we're going to do is, in a second I'm going to pray, and, and then they're going to be playing a song. And during that song, it's a time for you to worship, but it's also a time to come forward and take the elements, take the bread and take the, the cup and go back to your seat and hold them. We kind of like to do this together as a family, kind of a sign of, of our unity together in Christ. But let me take a moment and pray, okay? All of us, if you don't mind. If you've never, if you've never received Jesus, what better season than this season and what better day than today? Maybe you're saying, I want this. I'm now seeing how God's plan works out. I just need God in my life, and I need him through Jesus Christ, and I'm accepting now the forgiveness he gives me for all my brokenness and shame and pain. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. Some of us, we, we have known this for some time and experienced it and love it and Never get enough of remembering what Jesus did. And so, God, thank you that you've given us this time and these moments. And now bless us as we take these elements in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to come.